Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. I think if you look at the teams we played on the last road trip of five games, um, coming home, playing Washington, playing Carolina, um, you know, we got Ottawa today, Toronto Friday. I think it's, uh, um, you, you know, it's a, it's been a tough schedule when you're playing good teams and, and nothing changes when we get to the New York area next week. So it's key the next couple of weeks that uh, we keep our head above the water here, we get our fair share of points, and then we come home in December and, and look to uh, sort of take advantage of a, a, a lighter schedule. All right. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Happy day before Thanksgiving. Happy game day. That was Bob Bugner bringing us in with some talk about the Sharks schedule coming up in the near future before they get back home again. The San Jose Sharks are coming off one of their best performances of the year and getting a grinder of a win over Carolina, who have been one of the best teams up to this point of the young season. Far side of the ice, Ferraro takes it. Four on three power play for 10 more seconds. Carlson's been on the ice the entire time. He kicks it back from Barabona. Down low to Ferraro. He stick handles into the right circle. Penalty is almost over. Down low to Hurdle. Turn, shoot, save made. Hurdle poking at it. In front, Barabona scores! Right place, right time, slams it home, and the Sharks beat the Canes in overtime, 2-1. to one. Our own Dan Rusinowski on the call there for the game winner, Barabanov, in overtime over Carolina. Tonight, the challenge is Ottawa, and although they are a team that has been hit by injury and a COVID outbreak, they are not to be overlooked, and that's the danger tonight, looking past a team that is going to be a bit desperate when they take the ice against the Sharks. I think that teams overlook the COVID-impacted Sharks, and you would hope the Sharks, now on the other side, don't do the same. For a bit more on tonight's game, let's talk to Ian Mendez of The Athletic, who covers the Senators on tonight's matchup. Ian, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Hey, Ted, uh, doing doing great. Uh, a little bit a little bit jealous. I'm not going to lie to you. This was It's November in Canada, and uh, <laughs> I was supposed to be on this trip. I had booked it thinking, hey, Get out to California with the Senators in November. Perfect timing. Uh, but of course, they got hit by COVID and then kind of everything is being done uh, remotely with this team. So I figured, you know what? Not worth it for me to make the trip. So I'm uh, going to have to watch this game from afar uh, on uh, on Wednesday night. Well, it's, it's understandable. And, uh, you know, as much as I know, as you were planning out and coming and seeing me in person, that's not <laughs> quite enough of an allure. Um, you know, it's interesting, Ian, because... You and I and the people with the centers and the Sharks media and team relations and all these things, we all have unique views this year on the two teams that have had the large and the only two COVID outbreaks that have actually caused significant disruption. Um, For Ottawa, actually, you know, three games were postponed, which is uh, for the entire league. Those are the first three. That's great. The Sharks had to call up seven guys from the AHL uh, team to come and fill the gaps. They didn't have to postpone any games, but 
you know, these are the two teams with the significant, um, you know, outbreaks. So I'm curious from your perspective of what you saw from the 14th on and maybe the buildup to the 14th of November, you know, what your view of it all has broke down into where it was, you know, games suddenly getting postponed. Yeah, and, I, and I, as we're having this conversation, I'm sure somewhere the New York Islanders are saying, you know what, hold my beer, uh, <laughs> because here they come, right, with whatever. I think Zidane Ochara was the seventh guy yeah. uh, to go into protocol for them. And, you know, what's interesting, Ted, is I think when Ottawa started, the cases started building up, four players, five players, six players. Uh, everyone pointed to San Jose and said, hey, the Sharks played with seven guys in protocol, so uh, deal with it, suck it up. But when it got to, and Ottawa got to 10. And so I can't help but wonder, is that the magic number? Is that the number where the league will say, okay, you got seven players, you could probably make do. Eight, nine, okay, now 10, you're literally talking about half your roster. Um, And so, but I still think the NHL, and I reached out to the NHL uh, when when they shut down the Ottawa games, and I said, like, why didn't you shut these down earlier? And the message that came back to me was, it's not a number per se. So it, it mm-hmm. whether it was seven or 10 didn't matter. What they felt like it was a growing outbreak in Ottawa. Like they felt like there was player to player transmission that was occurring and it was an ongoing outbreak. That's why they pumped the brakes on it. Not because they had 10. If they had, I, my, my read on the situation is if they had uh, learned that, you know, 10 players were initially exposed and were all in protocol and nobody else was uh, affected, I think they would have kept playing, but I think what they determined was, okay, we think six or seven guys were originally exposed. And then as time went on, when they added a couple more cases, it was clear something was still going on and that's why they shut them down. But, but you're right. hundred percent, right. These are the two teams that have probably um, dealt with the COVID factor more than anybody. But as you look around the league, you're starting to see some of these cases kind of uh, creep up. Yeah, no, and it'll be interesting to watch, obviously, as we get deeper and deeper into the winter. And, um, you know, last year the league had 55 games postponed and they were able to make them all up. I would imagine that this year they will hopefully be able to do the same. But, you know, it's it's still an ongoing thing in all sports, this idea that, you know, that they're past it, I think, is a little bit naive when I hear people say that. And I'm like, well, I, I don't think we are. This is still an ongoing thing. And obviously, you know, there's various players and teams around the NHL right now that can, you know, tell you, uh, back up what I'm pointing out. But again, I think it's, they, we obviously have much more experience with it, you know, this time around. To the topic of the team coming back after the three games off, much like the Sharks players, when those seven guys came back, it was at altitude in Denver, taking on a very, very good abs team. What was your read on that performance and then the subsequent reaction after the game of it being labeled as unacceptable? Yeah, you know, and I think, Ted, that to me was the most surprising thing is that DJ Smith, the head coach of the Ottawa Senators, got to the podium on Monday evening after they lose 7-5. to five. And if, you, if you're ever going to have uh, the excuse cards to play, you would think it would be after this game, right? Because as you just mentioned, you got six players that returned to the lineup that were in COVID protocol. So six skaters uh, were coming back off of COVID. Uh, you hadn't played a game as a team in, in eight days. So you're rusty. You got COVID players. You're at high altitude. You're playing a team on a four-game winning streak. Like you had the excuse meter was cranked up there. Like you could have just reached in to the excuse bucket, pulled out one, and, 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 and played it. But DJ Smith sits down and says that was unacceptable we gave them the game and if you if you go back and 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 watch that game it, it's the weirdest game 
It's a 7-5 game, so you would think if you didn't see any of that game, you'd be like, oh, wow, what a super fun, entertaining hockey game with 12 goals. I'm t- That might have been the most boring 12-goal game I've ever watched. Ted, it, Ted, it was sloppy. It was... Uh, you know, it was just it was just poor play and a lot of just miscues that that led to uh, pucks being directly in the back of the net on, on both sides. So the game was tied with 90 seconds to go. And, yeah. and, and I and I think if you're Ottawa, if you could have scra- scratched out a point, you would have been like, oh, wow, look at us. Like we, we scrapped, scratched out a point, punched above our weight, whatever, uh, you know, analogy you want to use. And then to give up a goal on really a, a, an egregious defensive breakdown in the final 90 seconds, I think had the coach seething. And so now they come into San Jose tonight and I'm curious to see what happens because uh, they're coming off a game where they gave up seven goals and, and the coach isn't happy. And, and we're, we're going to see what, uh, what, ha- what transpires against the Sharks uh, this evening. Now, when we look at 30,000-foot view on Ottawa, obviously there are many factors that go into the relative disappointment that I think a lot of fans are having with the team right now, impacted by COVID, A, but B, some pretty big injuries that have happened as well. Oh, I mean, like huge injuries here, and and not not the least of which would be to their number two centerman, young kid by the name of Shane Pinto, who's probably not a household name, uh, in uh, in most uh, U.S. markets or even Canadian markets uh, for that matter. But, you know, Shane was a kid who got uh, signed to his entry-level contract last year after his collegiate season ended at North Dakota, and mm-hmm. he was good. And, and, and Ottawa's record, I think, with Shane Pinto in the lineup was something like 9-2-1, and one, and he was, he was just really effective, and he, he just fit in seamlessly, and he – and he hurt his shoulder, and it was a game against uh, San Jose. And yeah. uh, you know, your fans might remember uh, that kind of play in the corner with Ferraro, where it kind of just, you know, I, there was I I didn't think that there was anything uh, kind of malicious or nefarious about it, um, but unfortunately, it it was for Shane Pinto uh, an awkward fall, and he came back to play one game, and and while taking a face off, it looked like the shoulder kind of popped out. So I, I think he's done. If, if if you're asking me to lay down money here, I think he's done for the year. That that's that would be my educated guess. Uh, and if not, he's out for months. Uh, they also lost Colin White, who mm-hmm. was penciled in to be their number three centerman. Uh, so if you if you go into it and you think, okay, you lost your two top uh, th- two of your top three centermen uh, before the season was even kind of two weeks old, uh, that's that's a pretty big eight ball to to be behind. So. Those are kind of the injuries that have affected them. Matt Murray, who is expected, I think, to take the lion's share of uh, starts in goal. He's been banged up. He was also on the COVID list. Uh, so that that hasn't helped either. They just they haven't had a consistent lineup. But then again, go around the National Hockey League, ask, you know, ask Tampa or, or any of these other teams if, uh, you know, if they haven't run into injuries. And I think you'd find most uh, – heck, San Jose is a great example too um, – Every team has run into adversity, and that's, I think, what kind of tests your depth at this stage of the game. So how is the reaction from the fans right now and the level of expectations? Because there were greater expectations this year. I think people thought that franchise was ready to take steps in the right direction, but now you lose your two and three centermen and the COVID outbreak, and suddenly it feels like things are spiraling a bit right now. And obviously, uh, we know that's a very, very passionate fan base. Yeah, and, and, and it is, and it's a really intelligent fan base. And I think the four words that are ringing in every Ottawa fan's ear right now, Ted, is the rebuild is over. Those are the words of general manager Pierre Dorian, not once, but twice, mm-hmm. before the season started. He unequivocally said, the rebuild is over. Now, 
to his credit, he never said this is a playoff team. This is a this is a contender. He just said the rebuild is over. And I think when you say the rebuild is over, you are ratcheting up the expectations. Whether you like it or not, you're saying our days of being a bottom feeder, a, a top five lottery pick team, those days are in the rearview mirror. I don't know how else to construe the rebuild is over other than that. Well, we're sitting here coming into the kind of the, I think the first kind of, checkpoint in the nhl season for a lot of people is thanksgiving yeah uh, and uh they're in 32nd place out of 32 teams and and yeah you can say they've played fewer games because of covid and you know if they get their games in hand on seattle and arizona and montreal maybe they pass them sure great but there's a very good chance we're going to roll into to, uh thursday friday um, you know thanksgiving and the ottawa senators are going to be dead last in the overall standings and and i don't know how you spin that and it's a, it's it's not being received all that well in the in the market here because this would be the fifth consecutive year of this type of uh, performance on the ice. And, and there was a little bit of an uptick last year at the end of the year. They won, you know, kind of, I think, 12 of their last 18 games or whatever it was. And there was a feeling of some optimism. Well, I feel like a lot of that has dissipated with this, the poor start. And as they roll into this game in San Jose tonight, they've lost eight of nine games. And again, defensively, they've been a bit of a train wreck. What is your perception of the game tonight? Well, I'm curious. I'm, I think for a lot of fans here, they are uh, the number one storyline for people tonight from an Ottawa perspective is Tim Stutzla. And, I'm, and, I'm, um, and, and this is a kid, obviously, I think San Jose fans are probably keeping an eye on Tim Stutzla because that was the pick that Ottawa got in the, uh, the Eric Carlson deal that ended up being third overall. And, you know, look, Tim Stutzla has been really fun to watch, but he hasn't produced. He's got one goal uh, so far this season. So for tonight's game, they're moving him to center. And this will be the first time in his NHL career that Timmy Stutzla is playing down the middle. And I think that that's a really significant um, turn of events. So if you're looking at storylines tonight, for me, that's it. That, that, and, and again, I think because they are where they are in the standings, I think most of us feel uh, like, like the ship has almost sailed on, on the playoffs. Like now it's about, can we make sure that the prospects are trending in the right direction. And number one on that list, I think, is Tim Stutzla. So I think when we, you watch the game tonight and you see that, uh, you know, a team like San Jose, they, they got, you, you think of Couture and you think of Hurdle uh, kind of down the middle. Like, I'm curious to see, like, what does that look like? What What is Tim Stutzla up against Hurdle and Couture look like uh, on face-offs, defensively, offensively, all of that stuff? So that's probably the storyline to watch tonight from, from an Ottawa perspective. Ian, man, love the work. Gra very happy you were just so generous with your time and willing to deal with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I will, uh, I will eagerly wait for you to arrive next time. Next time, I'll make sure I, I hit it up, and hopefully it's in the winter again so I can enjoy some uh, some Northern California weather. I'll, I'll be sure to let the schedule makers know about that. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> Ian Mendez, everyone, find his work on The Athletic. Now for a look around some stuff happening in the NHL today. Braden Point, like we told you the other day, is going to be out four to six weeks now with an upper body injury that happened on Saturday in the Lightning's loss to the Devils. He had been tripped up by defenseman Ryan Graves, was awarded a penalty shot, which he hit off the post, and now hits the ground for a bit until he is healthy and ready to go again. Point signed an eight-year, $76 million contract extension in the offseason. He had posted 13 points in 16 games before the injury. 
The Sharks and Senators can now add the Islanders as teams experiencing major COVID outbreaks, with the Isles of Dano Chara being the seventh player the Islanders have had to put on the COVID list. The Islanders are currently in the midst of a six-game losing streak. They are, at this point, scheduled to play the Rangers tonight, but that is pending the results of further testing happening today. We are just going to have to wait and see what happens next. All right, for more on tonight's game against the Senators, we are now joined by the Radio Color commentator for the Sens, it is Gord Wilson and Gord, uh, you know, there's not many people that can relate to what's been going on with the Sharks and Islanders, but you are one of them. What is your viewpoints on, uh, you know, the outbreak and everything that's been happening with the Sens up to this point? Well, yeah, it's an interesting scenario because uh, the team was doing fine up until a Western or pardon me, a, a, a swing through the United States, uh, Dallas, Chicago, Minnesota. Uh, it was their first trip to the United States uh, in two years, basically, and um, it resulted in uh, one person getting it, and it very quickly spread from there. And um, so, yeah, it was an eye-opener for sure. And unfortunately, the uh, Senators were hit hard by it. Uh, no fewer than 10 players uh, put in the COVID-19 protocol list, and uh, there are still two. Actually, there's one that's on it now, and that's mm-hmm. Drake Batherson who is not with the hockey club, making this uh, four-game Western swing. Nikita Zaitsev is actually here in San Jose and on the practice ice as we speak, so should be um, in the lineup tomorrow night against the Sharks, which will be a huge plus to Ottawa. Uh, They're slowly but surely getting a bunch of players back. They had a whack of players uh, return from COVID-19 for uh, last night's game in Colorado. Mm -hmm. So getting back to health, but there's no question, um, you know, uh, as, as... the virus spread in the locker room and the players, I think there were six consecutive days where they had at least one player enter COVID protocol um, and, and obviously that get taken out of the lineup. Uh, by last Sunday, uh, it was determined that um, just by the 4 nothing loss to Calgary that this team not only hit hard by injury, but hit hard by the COVID. Uh, it, was, um, it was something that really had to be done. Uh, and taken seriously by the league to shut the team down for the week that it was. Were you worried that it was going to be more than the three games? Uh, I wouldn't say worried, but, um, you know, uh, the fact that there was a week of games uh, was uh, a little bit of a concern. But at the same time, I watched the team play that 4 nothing loss in, uh, against Calgary, and it was very clear that things had caught, had caught up to the hockey mm-hmm. club. Um, they were... They were not just physically beaten because they were short-staffed, but they were mentally beaten. And we talked to a lot of players uh, throughout the weekend. There was obviously uh, a concern in the locker room about them bringing it home to family members. And unfortunately, there were family members who did contract COVID because of, um, you know, the husband coming home and and bringing it home with them. And uh, that obviously clearly is unfortunate. Um, the good news is there's nobody seriously ill, which is a huge plus. Yeah, no, definitely very good news in that regard. And then, you know, very similar to when a lot of the Sharks uh, came back on the ice after their time on the COVID, it's at altitude in Denver, which certainly does not make things any easier. No, not at all. Um, So this team was a week off, and it was uh, allowed to return to the practice ice on Saturday. They had a good 90-minute hard practice Saturday. They shortened things up on Sunday and then made their way to Denver. Um, you know, the original schedule, I think, had the club trying to adjust to the altitude by going into 
uh, Denver on Saturday after a practice on Saturday on home ice and then practice Sunday in Denver, but that wasn't the case. So, yeah, it was a quick turnaround, and uh, for a lot of these players, uh, they've never been to Denver. They've never experienced the altitude and uh, the lack of oxygen, and uh, uh, obviously it caught up to them in a 7-5 loss. You know, it's interesting because I had people ask me very similar questions, um, you know, a week ago when people were saying, you know, how do you give a 30,000-foot view on the Sharks? Because I was saying, well, there's two different teams you're essentially talking about. There was one that was, you know, before COVID hit, and then there was another one that had seven regulars out and seven guys up from the American League. So, you know, how how do you view the team right now? How, how do you look at the 30,000-foot view of what the Sens have been up to this point in the season while knowing there's a huge qualifier about how you're viewing it? Yeah, it's a good question and, and good point that you bring up, Ted, because this team obviously had high expectations going into this season. And um, they finished very strong last year. I think they were top 15 in the league in the second half of the season after what was a, an extremely disappointing start. Two wins in their first 15 games. Nobody anticipated that, and they obviously didn't recover from it. Uh, but they, 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 they left everybody with a, a good taste in their mouths and a strong impression of what to expect this year with a year under the belt of a lot of the young players. Uh, there was the thought that, okay, um, expectations should be higher and should be matched. Mm-hmm. Well, they got off to a rocky start, obviously, as a healthy hockey club. And then they lost some players and uh, through injury, and uh, most notably Colin White and Shane Pinto. And you can think what you want about both players. Both are NHL players, and uh, both have been out of the lineup well, Colin White all season and Shane Pinto since game four of uh, the regular season. And their depth is just not strong enough uh, to lose their number two and number three centermen. And I think if you, you know, threw that question to any, any team in the league, mm-hmm. uh, how would your team fare if your second and third line centermen both missed the entire season? I think the expectations would drop. And um, I think right now, as it stands, the expectations are getting a lot lower based on the health of this hockey club and what we've seen here over the last little while. I think in, the, in fairness, uh, that's the proper way to look at it. In reality, fans obviously are wanting wins. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, when they're not getting them, obviously things are, uh, <laughs> are a little out of whack. Yeah, no, I mean, we all know how it, go- it goes. You're either winning or you're not in the views of the, of the fans. And I mean, yeah. rightfully so. I mean, they're the, they're the ones, you know, writing the, uh, the checks individually and making it all happen. We all understand the important role and, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the dynamic. And I guess, so how do you how do you view where things go from here? Are you now looking at it as a, a time of opportunity for different players to get different looks, for more of a look at you know what is there in the organization, or are you hoping that this is something that can be rectified, maybe just not in the way you thought it was going to be when you started off the season? Yeah, um, well, there's a mishmash of players on the ice right now in front of me, um, and. Uh, Dylan Gambrell, who you guys are mm-hmm. very familiar with, is one player who is likely going to get an opportunity based on the depth of this hockey club. Uh, there is an opening at the center ice position, and he's going to get every opportunity to fulfill that role and be the third or fourth line centerman. And as it stands right now, he's lining up as the fourth liner, fourth line centerman on this team. Uh, I mean, um, it is what it is. And it's, um, you know, Brady Kachuk kept saying through the, the, the outbreak of COVID, it's next man up mentality, and mm-hmm. it truly is. The players have to simplify it to the core, basically, and just take it for what it is. Next man up, 
do what we can, get through this rough time, and, uh, and at least be competitive enough to give yourself a chance to win. And certainly, last night is a pretty strong indication with a ton of adversity that this team has had. Um, they go into Colorado and they, they put up a five spot on you know, one of the top teams in the National Hockey League. And when you put up five, you're expected to win a hockey game. Mm-hmm. You're not expected, though, to give up six or seven, which is what they did. So very disappointing loss in Colorado. But at the same time, it may be, it, it may be um, uh, solidifies the point that if you do work hard enough, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. Yeah, and the other qualifier that to those, it's it's not just – uh, the Sharks or Ottawa that the the Abs have done that too. They yeah, they're they're pretty good at putting pucks yeah, in the no. back of the net right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that's the the problem though. The better teams, the more experienced teams with perhaps a little bit more depth. Um, when you are able to score five on a goaltender who is backed up by a ton of offense, you should eventually come away with at least one point in the Senators a minute 33 away last night from picking up at least one point. There was extreme disappointment mm-hmm. uh, following last night's game. Extreme disappointment. And um, i got to be honest, the coach was quite upset and should have been because there were players who didn't per- perform and, and meet their own expectations or the coach's expectations. And uh, as a result, I guess they I guess they got what they deserved. But, but that's what you want, right? I mean, you don't want guys ever to be indifferent after a loss. You want there to be disappointment, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this team, you know, it's interesting. I've been doing this for 30 years here now, Ted, that this team is one of the tighter teams that I've experienced uh, being around this hockey club now. Um, uh, certainly all this season, being able to travel with the club and get an opportunity to know the players a little bit better. Uh, there's no question in my mind that this is a tight-knit group and one that wants to grow together. It's probably one of the younger teams in the NHL, but it's a club that wants to grow together. They like coming to the rink. And, you know, um, you, you, you can't say that about every team every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, unless you're following a team or covering a team that um, is, is president trophy worthy uh, and winning every, you know, three of every four games or every uh, three of, uh, every five-game segment, um, you, you you don't normally see it. And uh, this team certainly, with despite the record, is sticking close together. What's your perception of the Sharks at this point and your thoughts on the game? Because I, you know, my view with the Sharks right now is they are consistently inconsistent. They will go out there and, you know, beat a team like Carolina last night and then not have that same performance elsewhere. And it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting from my end, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Well, you know what, uh, from my point of view, from the outside looking in, it's the team that I think is, is uh, at least meeting expectations. And again, you'd know more about that being in the market, but um, I, I certainly didn't think the San Jose Sharks would be doing as well as they have to this point. And I'm, I, I guess I'm, almost basing that on a comparison basis with the Senators because I didn't think the Senators would be as uh, their record would be what it is uh, through 16 games either. So um, it's been impressive from afar to see what the Sharks are doing. Um, it's interesting to hear that they have been, there has been a level of inconsistency to their game, which is disappointing. But um, at the same time, um, you know, they're getting performances for the ages from players like James Reimer and, 
Um, and, and you've always got Brett Burns, and, and I, I love the fact that Eric Carlson is having a more consistent game as well uh, when he's actually in the lineup. Yeah, no, most definitely. And uh, Carlson, obviously, everybody, um, you know, with both these teams is going to have a, a soft spot spot for him just because he's he's a fun guy as well as a fun player. And uh, you know, he's it, what's interesting to me is I didn't expect him to be as much of a glue guy as as he turned out to be. Was I mean, was that maybe undersold in terms of who he is? I, I yeah, I, I'm not sure um, because he, he he rose to stardom with the Senators very very quickly mm-hmm. and very deserving, obviously, of the two Norris trophies and very deserving of being captain of the hockey club. At the same time, though, I'll say in the same breath that I think the captaincy came maybe a year or two too soon. Yeah, uh, for Eric. Um, but you know, uh, you just cannot argue with the, the young man's talent. It's just a phenomenal talent. And look at, I got to know him very well over the years that he was with Ottawa and, um, uh, just a wonderful individual, just a salt of the earth guy who embraced the community big time, comes back to Ottawa in the off season. Um, so yeah, I have nothing but good things to say about Eric Carlson. Gord, I know you got stuff to do, so I will let you go, but I look forward to seeing you uh, tomorrow night at the arena, and uh, we can say hello and in person like we uh, you know, we're used to be able to do before this pandemic as we get back to normal. But I appreciate your time, and like I said, I'll see you tomorrow night. I'll be the one wearing the black mask. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I'm going to steal that line. <laughs> okay. All right, Gord, thank you very much, man. You have a good one. You bet. Cheers. Again, that was Gord Wilson, the Radio Color commentator for the Ottawa Senators. Taking a look back at the games from last night, the Lightning, 4-0 winners over the Flyers. The Stars posted a 4-1 win over Edmonton and the Flames all over the Blackhawks by a final of 5-2. Coming up today, the action gets going at 4 o'clock when the Bruins visit the Sabres. The Wild are at the Devils. The Canucks are at the Penguins. The Canadians are at the Caps and the Flyers visiting the Panthers. Jets at Blue Jackets. Then at 4.30, it's the Blues and the Red Wings. The Rangers visit the Islanders. The Predators play host to the Golden Knights at 5 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, the Ducks visit the Avs. At 7 o'clock, Toronto is in L.A. taking on the Kings. And the Coyotes Coyotes play host to the Oilers. Also, the Kraken see the Hurricanes. And the last game of the night is your San Jose Sharks. They host Ottawa for 11-1 on the year at 7.30 from SAP Center. Remember, the buildup airs multiple times a day on game day here on the Sharks Audio Network 24-7 stream and is available for download on Sharks Game Day and Sharks Hockey Digest podcasts. I will talk to you all tomorrow morning on Morning Tide for the San Jose Sharks. This has been The Buildup. I'm Ted Ramey signing off.